Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with a simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 14 through 22. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Louise. Hi, guys. Hi, yeah, my name is Fabs. If you don't know me, I know that's not a real name. My name is Fabienne, which also doesn't sound like a real name, but... What can you do? I wasn't, I, it wasn't a part of naming myself. Um, but I'm so happy to be with you today. We're finishing up our, our first chapter in our ongoing series on the book of peace, on, on the sermon series of peacemaking. We divided it kind of into chapters to help guide you along the way as we go. Next week, Mark's going to start to transition us into what it actually means to be peacemakers in this world, what tools we need, how we do that, what it looks like. But before we got into that, we wanted this first chapter just to kind of settle some things within ourselves, some relationships that we have before we move into peacemaking in the world. And so we've talked about what it looks like to have peace with God, and we've talked about what it looks like to have inner peace, and today we're going to talk about what it means, how you can be an instrument of God's peace in this world when you have peace between yourself and the church, peace with the church. That's what we're talking about today, and just saying that sentence makes me feel nauseous, I know that if I'd walked into a room like this and someone was teaching on the peace of people in the church, I would feel really uncomfortable. Some of you may not relate to that at all, but some of you may. Um, I felt so many mixed feelings this week about this sermon, and I was like, how did it land this way where I ended up with peace in the church? (laughs) just seems wild to me, but here we are. I've been thinking about it all week. I think I'm just the least likely person to be giving this sermon. I'm not who I would have picked. I was thinking this week about who would I have picked. If I could pick anyone to come and give a sermon on peace with the church and what that means and what that looks like, who would I pick? And I know exactly who I'd pick. I'd call this woman. That's me, circa 2014. 2014 Fabs would be perfect for this sermon. She really would. She'd be perfect because her, her level of investment with the church, I think, makes her a good choice. And also her view of the church, how she perceives the church, I think that also makes her a good choice. All week I've been thinking about where I fit, how I fall, and all the different places I've been in relation with the church, and I've kind of been thinking of it on that framework, on that grid. Like, we all, if you go to the next one, we all have a different place we are on this line when it comes to investment in the church. 
And probably all of you relate to being in different places throughout your life as a Christian. You've been in a different place on that line when it comes to investment in the church. And we have a vertical access that's our view of the church. I'm sure if you're like me, throughout your time, you've had different varying views of the church, maybe high, maybe low, and it's shifted around. Um, I've been all over this thing. I uh, have, when I first became a Christian, I was here. Uh, We can do a little one with my little person on it. I'll show you where I was. Yep, that's me. You can tell it's me because it looks just like me. Uh, this is me. I, when I first became a Christian, obviously low investment with the church, I didn't really even know what it was about. But I was like, I like this thing. This is fun. We all get to get in the same room together. This is neat. I like it. Then the next one, this is me when I first became a member, a partner, a covenant community member at a church, a local church. Uh, I remember this time so clearly. I think this is the pinnacle of how I viewed the church when I had... Um, just this love for the church, such a deep, like, amazing feeling. I remember this might be hard for some of you to believe or imagine. It's hard for me to imagine. But I remember a time where I was like, all week long, I couldn't wait to go to church on Sunday. And I couldn't wait to get together with my small group or my community group on a Wednesday night and talk about God and the Bible with people who loved God. It was like my favorite thing in the world. Um, And that high view of church, I think, propelled me into deeper investment. And over here, the next one, this is 2014 Fabs. That's where you find her. And this is why I think she'd be good to to give this sermon, because the rose-colored glasses have come off. She's not naive. You can't tell from that picture of 2014 Fabs, but I, at that point in my life, have been through it. Like, I've suffered. I've been through a lot of things. I've seen a lot about the church. I've seen the church be unspeakably precious and beautiful, and I've seen the church be so painful and and create wounds and harm, and I've felt that confusion, and I'm still invested. I'm still there, and I I really, I tried to find 2014 Fabs for you today, but I can't because she's not there because 2015 happened, and then Fabs was down here. And I tell you, there's just such a difference between witnessing or hearing the church harm people and being harmed by the church. Didn't know, but there's a real difference there. I was still so invested, but all of a sudden I was like, wait, this does not feel like I feel like it should feel. And over time, that investment kind of lessened as I got more and more on the outside at church, right? And if you go to the next slide, this was the progression after that. What's interesting is the further away I got from church, the more I realized how harmful it had been the more I I was like, my eyes were open to all the different ways that it had harmed, controlled, um, kind of deconstructed me from the inside out as a person. And and right before I found the vine, I would say this is where I was. For me, the pinnacle of where I've been in terms of the furthest away from investing, I didn't want anything to do with the church, I was never going to join a church again, and I was certainly never, ever going to be on staff at a church again. And I also had a pretty low view of the church Uh, hence those other things. So this was me coming into the situation, you know, and I don't know where you guys are today, but I like this chart, and I've been thinking about it all week because I think it's helpful when we talk about peace with the church and what that means. I think it's going to be different for each one of us. The invitation today is going to be different depending where you are on this chart, depending on where you find yourself here today. Some of us may need to pivot on that vertical axis. The obstacle to making peace with the church might be that we have a really low view of church, And that might be the invitation today to shift. And some of us, it might be on this horizontal axis. We might have an invitation today to invest a little more in this thing that's called the church. So that's what we're going to talk about 
Uh, some of you in here may feel like you need both, and I, I, I don't know if there's anyone in here, but I wanted to say it just in case. There might be some of you in here who find yourself in this dark gray corner down here, um, and I know that 2014 Fabs, as she was giving this sermon, she'd have an invitation for you for finding peace with the church, but 2024 Fabs, I do not have an invitation for you today because I have the advantage over 2014 Fabs in that I know what this corner feels like. I know what it feels like down there. I know how confusing and how painful. And if you're in this room and you're in that corner, like, please hear from me. I am so impressed that you're even here, and I recognize what an act of vulnerability and courage it is to even walk into a room with people who call themselves the church. I hope you find in the vine a place that stewards that well. And if I did have an invitation for you today, it would be take a lot of naps and cry as much as you need and get angry and rage and feel the feelings. And um, that's all. That's all I have. No, go get them. Anyway, let's move to the other groups. Let's start with that vertical access. And those of you that feel like you have a low obstacle, you have the obstacle to peace with the church, that you have a low view of the church, right? For you guys, the invitation I think today is to reframe, to kind of shift the way you, uh, the perspective you have around the church. And I want to be clear that what I mean is you have how you feel about what you think the church is. By reframe, I don't mean change how you feel about what you think the church is. I mean change what you think the church is, right? If we're talking about reframing and you have a picture, I'm not talking about swapping out the frame. I'm talking about changing the picture. I think for some of us, that's the work we have to do when it comes to peacemaking in the church. Um, I have a thing, I have a, an illness called uh, long COVID. If you've been here any amount of time, I talk about it a lot. It's a big part of my life. What can I say? So I have long COVID, and I recently met with a new neurologist, and she was amazing. And she was explaining to me why coronavirus did such specific and unbelievable damage to so many people. And she was explaining to me that viruses in general, a lot of viruses do this. They have this thing called molecular mimicry where they imitate, they look like a human protein, and and because of that, your body takes a little longer to recognize you have a virus, thinks it's just a part of you. And coronavirus specifically, listen to this, the viral proteins bust into cells through ACE2 receptors, and once inside, the coronavirus hijacks healthy cells and takes command. That makes me so sad for my sweet body that's like circulating cells all the time to every pocket, to every corner of me, to every nerve fiber, to every organ, to every muscle, circulates those cells so that they can deliver oxygen and nutrients and help me keep going. And it was circulating those cells, but the thing that was getting distributed was a virus, right? The cell was me, and inside of it, there was a thing that was not me, that was a virus. And I think sometimes when it comes to church, we have the same sort of thing going on. That word church, we use it to mean so many different things. We use it to describe a building we see on the side of the road that we stop to take a picture of if it's cool looking. We use it to describe a group of people getting in a room together, a group of Christians gathering once a week. And Jesus, the the word that we say is church, it comes from this word that, that Jesus talked about. And when he talks about it, it sounds like this, like, sacred, mysterious, beautiful, precious network of interconnected people of God doing this amazing thing. You heard some of that in the scripture today, like this this display of the peace and manifold wisdom of God. He describes this thing like it's amazing. And we just use the same word for all of that. We use the word church for all of that. 
And I think when we do that, it's a little bit dangerous that our brains start to conflate this thing that we call church and this thing that Jesus is talking about, that we also put that word church on, right? When we confuse those two, I I think there's a, a little bit of danger for us, and I do wonder if there's a little bit of molecular mimicry going on in the American church. Like there's a little bit of church that's not really church, Right? And then maybe even there's the second thing we, we saw with COVID specifically where it got inside. It's so confusing because these things don't say, stay separate. Right? Like with me and my body, the cell was really me. I wasn't wrong. It's just that inside of it, there was something else also. Maybe some of you have experienced that. You go to this thing that feels like this, and then there's pockets and pieces of it that are this, church. Right? There are such different things. And I think if we're going to make peace with the church, We have to reframe and know what we're talking about when we say church. So how do we know? How do we know if we're looking at church or the church, right? This thing that Jesus described. Well, Paul gives us a few metaphors in today's reading, and I love that Paul uses metaphors because I just like the idea that the church, whatever this thing is that Jesus is talking about, it's so uh, hard to describe. Like you can't put like it meets once a week, and it looks like this, and it has these kinds of small groups. You can't put that on it. So instead, it's described in metaphors, like it's this thing that's so amazing that we've got to use a metaphor to describe it, right? And the first metaphor we see him use there is a household. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What's emphasized in this text, right? It's like you were no longer, you were once these strangers and aliens, you were once these people that the people of God kept outside And now you're in the household and you're fellow citizens, right? The emphasis of this text is that in this thing, in this weird, miraculous thing that Jesus talks about that is the church, inside of that there's radical inclusivity, right? Controversial even, that you're not just brought in, you're not just welcome here, you're not just wanted here, you're fellow citizens, you have rights here. This is your home. You belong here. It's that radical inclusivity. And even as, as uh, the, the New Testament letters go on, we see it's really controversial inclusivity, right? And then Paul uses another metaphor. He uses the metaphor of a building, right? He says, Christ Jesus himself being in the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So throughout the Bible, there's a couple other moments where where it's kind of like all these people of God are filled with the Spirit, and they're like different stones that are built together into this building. But it's not a church just because you put a bunch of stones in the same room together. This isn't just making a building. It's making a specific building. This thing that we call church, the true church, it's a specific kind of building, right? He says it's like the metaphor he uses is it's like the holy temple, right? That's in the Old Testament when people would travel and they get to go into the presence of God. The kind of building that the church is, is a place where you encounter the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. And, and how do you know if it's the Spirit of God, right? We, luckily, we know pretty clearly, we, we know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The way that you walk into a room and you bump into the people of God and you know that this miraculous, weird thing called church is happening. It's not because of how many people are there, and it's not because how good the worship music is, and it's not because how cool their kids' programming is. It's because you find yourself in the presence of the Spirit of God, right? 
And there's a third metaphor that Paul uses. He, he mentions it in this, and then he goes on further in our reading in Ephesians. He, later on, he ex- expands upon it a little bit more, and that metaphor is a body. He uses the metaphor of a body. And if you've been around church, you might have heard that many times, like that the church is the body of Christ. You may have heard that before. And I want to take a minute for us to reframe, because I think when I say body of Christ, often what comes to mind for us is what we've experienced or been taught by the church. But let's like flip that for a second, and let's interpret what we think church is based on what we experience with our bodies. Because Paul doesn't know about our American expression of the church when he's writing this. He's saying, he's using this metaphor because we all know what it feels like to have a body. Especially in this room, we talked about this in December. This was our entire series was on embodiment, right? We talked about how our bodies are the way that we encounter and experience one another. And you know me through my body. And we talked about Jesus and how for eternity past, he hasn't been embodied. And then this moment came in the fullness of time and he came in a body. And for the first time, he was able to touch us and be touched by us. And he could walk into rooms and bring healing and turn over tables and fight injustice in the flesh. He could, we had an embodied Jesus. And then he ascended. And instead of the body of Jesus being gone and lost to us, we're not able to be touched, we're not able to be in his presence. Instead, he created this thing that is his body, right? This thing where the spirit of Jesus is in all these different people. And together they are the embodiment of Jesus. And to me, maybe that's the clearest picture of what church, real church actually is. It's, it's the body of Jesus, It's the experience of being in the presence and the personality of Jesus. It's being touched by Jesus. It's being healed by Jesus. It's being near Jesus. It feels like the body of Jesus. That's the clearest way I know how to describe this. And that's what this peacemaking series is really about, right? It's about going into broken pockets and different corners in our lives and in our city and in our world and bringing the presence, the person of Jesus. And so it makes sense that we would need to have peace with the body of Jesus in order to be the body of Jesus, right? In order to do that, I think we'd have to have peace with the body. And in order to make peace with the body, to make peace with the church, then I think we have to be sure we're making peace with the actual church, I think we have to be sure that we're making peace with this thing, this miraculous, sacred, holy thing that Jesus talks about, and not church. Because I think there's a danger when we treat them like they're all the same, like we put them all in the same bucket, right? Like when we treat them like both these things are cells, like there's a bracket above them and they're both church, holy, sacred church. When we do that, I think we're in danger of damaging the body. So my body got COVID and... 2020, and knowing what we know now about how or where I was infected, that kind of thing, we think that that virus was active in my body for almost three weeks before my body began to fight it. Almost three weeks. That virus was circulating all throughout my body. And why? Because my body made peace with it. My body worked in harmony with it. My body thought it was the same thing, and so it kept using it, and that has damaged my body. It's damaged the way I show up in the world. It's damaged your ability to experience me, right? And I think the same thing is true when it comes to the body of Christ, right? If we group these things together, and then we say all of this is the body of Christ, and then people in the world bump into it, 
they're like, oh, I guess, you know, maybe this thing that's Jesus is Jesus, but it's not Jesus. It's nothing like him. It doesn't have his personality. It doesn't have anything like that. I think 2014 me, if I was giving this sermon, I think looking back, I thought that accepting uh, organizations, systems, places, pockets that were none of these characteristics, that were not radically inclusive or loving or felt like the presence of Jesus, I thought that was me embracing the messiness of the church. I thought it was me embracing the flaws of the church. Like, this is, this is what church is. You've got to take the good with the bad. And I believe that church isn't perfect. I believe this body of Christ is flawed and has brokenness in it, and that is so different. Flaws Messiness, brokenness, so different from abuse, hypocrisy, systems that control and coerce. There is not room for that in the body of Christ. I know that because when people bumped into Jesus, they didn't sometimes get love and sometimes get abuse. They didn't sometimes feel welcome and wanted and and him being open and and meet with them and be present with them and sometimes feel controlled and coerced, right? That's not how it works. And I look at Jesus, I don't see a person who made peace with hypocrisy and exploitation. I see a man who turned tables when he encountered that, especially when he encountered that in a place that said it was part of the family of God. No peace with that. No peace with that. And I think the invitation for you today to make peace with the church is not an invitation to make peace with systems and and cultures and processes that have abused spiritual power and controlled and coerced in any way. I don't think that's the invitation today. I think we have to recognize that this thing is not the same as this thing because otherwise just like my body we continue to circulate a thing that's not not at home in the body of Christ and then when people bump into it they don't really know who Christ is right and we also don't want to make the mistake of treating these two things like the same if we treat them both like they're a virus we don't want to treat them both like they're a cell, and we don't want to treat them both like they're a virus, right? Because that, that's what long COVID is. That's one of the theories. I don't know for sure. But one of the ideas is that because of that thing that happened when those three weeks, my body circulated this thing, thinking it was a cell and really it was a virus, the damage was so intense and so extreme that my body is like, never again. We are never doing that again. It could kill us. And so to be safe, the safest thing is just not to take anything from any cell. And so my organs and my brain and and my lungs and my muscles and my nerve fibers, they don't get enough oxygen. And one of the theories is because my body's not gonna take anything out of those cells. And my body feels like I have the flu all the time, not because there's an active virus, but because those symptoms you experience throughout the flu, they're your body fighting a virus, and my body is constantly fighting a virus that isn't there anymore. It's safe, but it doesn't know it. And for my body, the safest thing to do is just presume everything is dangerous. And some of us are there with the church. Like, it got in too deep. We were invested so deeply that that when it didn't work, it destroyed all of us, right? And because of that, now, we just, the safest course of action is, like, don't touch it. Don't get in too deep, right? Don't change how you view the thing. Let's just treat all of it like it's dangerous. And that is the safest thing to do. My My body is not crazy, and your spirit, if it feels that way, is not crazy. That is the safest thing to do. It's just that it also deeply impacts my experience of life. Like, I don't feel healthy. I don't feel able to show up the way I want in relationships. I'm constantly distracted when I'm with people. 
I understand it's safe and I still want to shift away from it because it's not life. And I think the same thing is true for us in the church. I get it. I think it's safest for you to just disconnect altogether. And I think we miss out on life when we do that. Right, so if you're in this vertical access and you want to shift a little bit, the invitation today is to like reframe not how you feel about what you think the church is, but reframe altogether what you think the church is, that maybe making peace with the church is not an invitation to make peace with all those systems that are nothing like the body of Christ, but peace to move towards this thing that is the experience and the embodiment of Christ. And for some of you, maybe the invitation is to shift on that horizontal access, like we want to move our investment a little bit deeper. And for you, I think the invitation is to reclaim. It's to reclaim your place in the body of Christ. In Ephesians, Paul goes on to say this, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. From Jesus, there's the whole body, and it's joined and held together by Jesus. That's what I should say. Paul got it wrong. Joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped. Every person that was spirit of Jesus put inside, every person has a role, a part, a function in this body. And when every single part is, is working properly, it makes the body grow in love so that more people experience the person and the presence of Jesus. And when one part is missing, the body doesn't work the same way. No one knows this more than me. One of the things that happened in COVID, either from the initial virus or in the aftermath of not getting enough oxygen, was that I got a thing called small fiber neuropathy. I'd never heard of this before, didn't know anything about it. Neither did any of the, like, five neurologists I saw before I went to see my long COVID doctor. In the first meeting, he asked me if I'd been tested for small fiber neuropathy, and it was, like, three years into, two years into being sick, and this was the first test I ever had that came back that showed something was wrong with me. And they do this test. They take a tiny little, tiny thing, and it's like a hole punch. They take it in different places in your body, and they send it off to a lab, and this is what happens. They look at this. And they're looking at this to see if any of your small fibers are damaged. This is under a microscope. And I bet you're thinking those little wiggly worm things are what we're looking at. But we're not. You can go to the next slide. They're actually looking to see if these things are missing. Because if these things are missing, even though they weren't missing, they're all fine in one spot on my leg, one tiny spot they're missing, one tiny one of these nerve fibers is missing, and my entire autonomic system doesn't work. Like autonomic system is everything that happens automatically, breathing, uh, blood circulation, blood pressure, all those kind of functions, heartbeat, it's all malfunctioning in my body. You know why? Because this one little guy is missing. And I asked my long COVID doctor, Does, it must be happening all over my body to cause this much damage. And he said, no, just this one missing can be it. And you know how before I got COVID at 38, do you know how many times I thought about this small nerve fiber? <laughs> Zero times. My long COVID doctor who's been a doctor, do you know how many times he'd heard about this small fiber? Zero times till he became a long COVID doctor. We didn't even know about it. And it was holding the body together. That's the same for all of us when it comes to the church. You are an essential part of the body of Christ functioning properly. And I know that can feel like pressure. Like it's like you've got to get in there because you're, the whole thing doesn't work without you. And I don't think Paul means it like pressure. And I certainly don't mean it like pressure. I think that, that verse, that idea, the 
that the whole body is held together by every single person who's a part of it, I think that is a declaration of your worth, of your value, of your importance. Maybe you've been treated in some room, in some place, like you are not essential, like the things that you have to bring to the table aren't really necessary for the church to flourish or function, and that's a lie. You matter. You matter to the body of Christ functioning properly, and your invitation is to reclaim your pace in the body. And I use that word, reclaim. I love that word so much. Uh, there's this, I, I love Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And there's this scene in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. If you don't know the story, you know, we've got Robin Hood, little John, little, the, the whole sheriff Nottingham taking over, doing bad things. And little John's like, let's just build our own land, our own city out here in the woods. And then Kevin Costner comes in with his American accent as Robin Hood, which you got to respect. And he comes in, and there's this scene where all the, the, the people are running, and they're screaming. They're like, they're taking everything. They've taken everything. And little John's building his, we can build a new place over here. They've taken everything. And Kevin Costner looks almost right at the camera, and he says, then by God, we take it back. Then by God, we take it back. I use the word reclaim because the church belongs to you. And these places, systems, pockets where something's happening that, not, that is not the body of Christ, if you've ever been moved out of a room, by God, we take it back. They don't get to decide or determine who belongs in the family of God, and they don't get to present to the world what the body of Christ looks like because it belongs to us. If you've been marginalized, if you've been rejected, it belongs to you. We have to take it back. It's ours. We're fellow citizens, and by God, we take it back. Right, so for some of us, I think the invitation today is to reclaim our place in the church. I want to look at our chart one more time here, and I want, we're going to give you guys in a second just a minute to process where you are, where you've been, and where you kind of want to be, you know? We know where I've been in 2014. I think I know really clearly what that felt like. Um, I think where I am, I was thinking about it this week, if you can go to the one with the little stick person on it. Yep, that's me. I know you might be looking at this and like, that's not where you are. You're really involved in church. You work at a church. I am really involved in church. But I know, I know the difference between 2014 Fabs and 2024 Fabs. I can feel it in my heart. I know that push, that resistance. I believe everything I've just said to you, and there is a part of my body that hasn't caught up, that isn't ready to go another round, Right? I was thinking about this week and what it looks like for me to move towards peace with the church. And I've had kind of like an identity crisis all week. I've been thinking about 2014 Fabs, and we can look at her. Uh, when I look at her, I think I should feel maybe, I feel that I ought to feel like judgment or she's naive or like she doesn't know what's going on or pity, like poor girl. That's not what I feel when I look at her. I feel tenderness. I feel so much tenderness. She believes everything she's saying with her whole heart. I feel sad. I feel really sad. Because I miss feeling how she felt about the church. I miss feeling like there was this thing in the world that was the embodiment of Jesus. And if you even get near it, it's so beautiful. It's so miraculous. It's so powerful. It could change everything. Just like that. I, I believed that. I would have died for that. Like, really, I wanted my whole life 
to be about that. And when I look at her, I miss that. But as Mark and I were just even talking this morning, we were talking about that sensation of missing that, that feeling and that person that I was once. And Mark said, but we can't go back. I can't go back. I can't go back to that same place on the chart, and I can't go back to 2014 Fabs, and I don't think that's what it means for me to make peace with the church, because 2014 Fabs, she'd never been in those bottom two quadrants. She didn't know what it felt like to be on the outside in the wrong table with the family of God, right? She didn't know that feeling, and I do. And so peace with the church is going to look different. I'm not going to go back to this place. I'm not going to go back to this experience of embracing all these things and just trying to turn this thing around and make it prettier. I, I want to move forward. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what it looks like for us as a community to have peace with the church. I don't even know what could happen if everyone felt that, if we moved towards a vision of something that is even more beautiful even more beautiful than what 2014 Fabs believed in. But I hope and I, I think that that could happen. I think that's like the invitation today for us as we move towards peace with the church. So I'm going to put the graph back up, and I just want to give you guys a second. I want you to just think through where you've been and where you are and what you want next. what it would look like for your body to move into, to relax into what you believe. And if you want to, you can just shut your eyes. And now instead of just thinking about that, I want you to talk to God about that. I want you to tell him what it was like in different places on this graph. Tell Jesus what it felt like. I want you to imagine the person of Jesus like he's in this room with us right now. And what it feels like to be in his presence. I want you to imagine that experience spreading all over the world. I just want you to take a second and be honest with God about what you want. Do you want to be a part of that? Are you scared to be a part of that? Are you afraid that isn't real? God, you know my heart. And you know the 2014 fabs inside of me, and you know me now. And you know how confused and conflicted and afraid that I feel. And I'm still here. I'm standing right here. And God, I think I believe in 
the glory of your church and the glory of the body of Christ. And so I pray for you to fan that flame of faith in me. And if there's anyone in this room who has just like an ember on that wick that they could potentially believe in the beauty and the glory and the power of the body of Christ in this world, that, that you would move us towards peace, that our body would stop fighting itself, that it would trust itself to be able to tell the difference between the real thing and the imitation especially those of us who have learned, who have been infected and learned, we can trust ourselves. We know the difference. And God, I ask you this thing, just for me, just because my heart wants it so much. I just want to see you move through the church in ways that blow my mind. I just want to believe again that it could be more then I can even dare to dream or ask or imagine that you could do that. I I want that. I want to see that. I want you to use this little community, this pocket of people to do that. I want us to get to witness something this next year that we didn't know could happen. Just pray that we would make peace with your body today. Pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about the Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to the Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.